ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is mm. our downfall, I feel. That's correct. Our this live is hot takes on Bang On Live. This cancelled. is the moment where we finally get cancelled. Yeah, I've been waiting. <laughs> um, every I'm surprised day it I'm, hasn't happened yet. Every day I'm like, is it today? Today might be the day. <laughs> On. G'day. Hello, Zan. How are you? I'm very excited to be sharing space, sharing the room, sharing bang on with an award-winning broadcaster. You got the bloody actor, mate. Best Yay! entertainment program for Eurovision. I you know. won. We won. We weren't even there. We won. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we talked about it last week, didn't we, how the award was presented on the Thursday, the, the previous awards before the real awards on the The industry Saturday. night. That's right. And so I, sadly I couldn't make it because I've been gallivanting all around the country working on some things. And um, and it, it was just lovely. Like oh, I didn't hear until I was in a shoot until late and I didn't hear until I got out. And it was so nice, you know, just to have the work of all the crew and the production company behind it and SBS and all the work that they've done over the years and years and years for Eurovision. It was so lovely to have that acknowledged, you know, because when SBS wins an award, it's always a good thing, I think. 100%. Um, Yeah, so I was really, really pleased for everyone and and really, really pleased for us. Joel and I were really happy. He got off stage because he's taken over my role as the narrator on Rocky Horror. I love this job share, by the way. We're job sharing, yeah. (laughs) Um, And so he was the one who texted me. I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing because, you know, you never expect to win those things. Ever, really. But well-deserved, I say. Well-deserved in that category. It was the best entertainment show. Oh, thank you. You're the best. Love it. Love it. And did you have a good night? I did. I didn't win, (laughs) which is why your question (laughs) is not, congratulations, but did you have a good night? I I don't think anyone goes to these things thinking they're going to win, though, because really it's so subjective. You don't know. No, 100%. And I did, like, I I was in a category that was, um, like many awards show categories, it, it was a bit of a mixed bag, you know. It was Best Factual Entertainment Program and it was shows like Alone up against Gogglebox and Kitchen Cabinet and um, Take Five. So it was like observational documentary up against interview shows, kind mm. of like the, you know, the other or world music section of the record store. But I actually really thought that Alone was going to win and Old People's Home for Teenagers won, which is, you know, that's great. It's a great show. But I um, I really thought that Alone was going to take it away. So I never went in with those expectations. I went in thinking I want to meet lots of people that I don't know. I want to, you know, talk to people that I've never spoken to before. And I did. And the feeling in the room was just one of real friendliness and and warmth and there was lots of great people there and heaps heaps of bang fam can i just awesome. say there are some very boss women in the entertainment industry that friggin' love bang on i got more bang right? fam crop crop dusting moments at oh. the actors after party than i think i have in recent <laughs> days oh i've had a lot lately too it's been amazing thank you for coming out and finding us just a whisper it's really quite just bang fam <laughs> We it's love lovely. it. It's lovely. It's it's the most, you know, some people have fans who are a bit full on and might, you know, interrupt their dinner or whatnot. Ours are the best. The Bang Fam are the best. They just come up quietly when you're not, 
you know, you sort of, you're not in the middle of something. They don't, they don't disturb, they just whisper bang bang. I had one last night. I was out at Calexico. They were doing a 20th anniversary show oh, for the beautiful. Feast of Wire record, which was so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you watch a band that were really part of, of your life, like before you started doing, you know, music or whatever for a job, it was really, mm. you know, quite formative. That was one of those experiences for me. But, yeah, I was just walking past someone as I left and someone went, bang, bang. <laughs> we so love good. it. So good. We love it. But yeah, it was fun at the actors. I leaned you in great fully. In your oh, outfit. oh my God, Surfers Paradise in the 80s was the look I was going for and I think loved I achieved it. it. I think you did. I loved it. It was great. I got absolutely soaked as we arrived because it was raining and the most torrential downpour hit, mm. of course, when we, the cab pulled up and I had to walk way too far to the little, uh, you know, covered tent in the exposed rain. And I was like, oh my God, I've just, my whole outfit now is covered in dots from the rain. But because it was made of parachute pant material, it dried just, in about two seconds. Yeah, it just fell off. <laughs> that stuff, fire retardant and, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it, there's a reason probably why it's not come back because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't breathe at all. There's a weird, weird reason why that jumpsuit, even though it was clearly made in the 80s, is in mint condition. <laughs> There's nothing ever destroying that fabric. No way. And also, too, you probably don't need to wash it, just hose it down. So true. Chuck the hose on and dry in a second. Love that. It's very, very fun. We are going to be amongst a whole bunch of Bang Fam. No need to crop dust. It's going to be the biggest celebration ever because Bang On Live kicks off next weekend, Miff. We are days away. We sold out the first bloody show of the tour, mate. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's so exciting. Thank you, Adelaide, South Australian Bang Fam, or even if you're coming from interstate, thank you. It's amazing to have one sold out show, and that means that we've only got... The Sunday evening show left if you want to get your tickets. Yeah, get in quickly because I think that that show is selling very fast too. Is it? We're going to be doing two shows at the beautiful Spiegel Tent. This tour, we're playing some amazing rooms, rooms that I've seen so many incredible live performances myself. It's such an honour to play in the Spiegel Tent. So we're doing Saturday, sold out, and Sunday we'll be there back in the Spiegel Tent at 7pm in the Garden of Unearthly Delights. And we have special guests locked in too, Miff. They're locked in, locked and loaded. We can't say, can we? No. Not yet. Surprise. And I'm working on some stuff for the Fahashan Parade. So, oh! Um, and I think, you know, feel Are you having to... a craftoon? I am having a craftoon and we're back to the, the Badgers territory of 2017. <laughs> that is a deep reference for anybody yeah. who's been there from the beginning. You know, our greasy-fingered, cheesy, there's a bit of DNA in our homemade Badgers era of Bang On. Yeah. Oh, uh, I met someone who had the one of the original Badgers. Oh, my God. That's got to be a collector's item. I know. I know. Well, probably not. (laughs) Very, very exciting. Oh, one of the other things that we're doing, which we should give people a heads up, because the tour, of course, is going beyond Adelaide all the way through across the country until July. And... We get so many messages from Bang Fam asking us to cover certain things, asking us what we think about certain things, that you had a great idea setting up a jar of hot takes at the start of the night. Yeah, just put a little jar out and then a little piece of paper. And if there's anything you'd like us to discuss, maybe something we've discussed previously or you'd just like to know our our thoughts on it, um, got to be funny, obviously. We'll, we'll don't, don't give us anything too serious because... Well, that's... That's not yeah, what we're about. We're not, we're not ready for that. Um, and we don't have our computers to Google for the facts. So <laughs> it'll be very loose. But I just think if, if... Just a couple of ideas that maybe you've wanted us to talk about. I don't know. I was thinking about Stanley Cups 
that all the little kiddies are into now. Yeah, or, we haven't covered you know, that yet, have or we? Or kids in Sephora or you know, that sort of stuff. Just just some contemporary issues that maybe don't come up on Bang On or even if they have, just write it down on that piece of paper. We'll have it at the front um, before before you go in. You need to come in a bit earlier because we need to get them before we go on stage and, and we'll pull out a few at the show. How <laughs> good's that? Shall we give it a go next week though? Like people can send in some ideas into the bang box yeah. and and we'll see if we can give it a go. Um, we don't have any, like this This will just be off, off the cuff from the top of our heads. Mm. So, um, yeah, it could be very loose and okay. very inappropriate. Who we, knows? This is, this is the point where after years and years of having someone kindly edit out any threats of defamation, this is mm. our downfall, I feel. That's correct. Our this is live hot takes on Bang On Live. This cancelled. is the moment where we finally get cancelled. Yeah, I've been waiting. <laughs> Um, every I'm surprised day, it I'm, hasn't happened yet. Every day I'm like, is it today? Today <laughs> might be the day. What have I said? What have I done? That's a good call though. Do email us because I know that many Bang fam are like, as dedicated as you are, life gets busy and sometimes people are like, oh, I haven't listened to the latest episode yet. Mm. So we will have the Bang jar out, the jar of hot takes at every yeah. single show. But if you want to email us um, and let us know some of the things that you want yeah. to, us to bang on about, we'll be taking those. Um, we'll just test the waters next test, week yes. on the show here. We'll do it each week on the show too because I think it's something, you know, it pushes us a bit, pushes us out of our ideas of, of what you want us to talk about. They'll be the hottest of hot takes. Cannot wait. We'll see mm. you very, very soon, Adelaide. Got to tell you, Miff, this is a very big week in music, art, life and stuff. We're going to get to Beyonce's country era announced very, very soon. going to say something else when you said that so strongly. My emphasis was really yeah, on the first syllable lot. of that It's a lot. Well, have you seen the cover art? I mean, it seems fitting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is that on the cover art? It's just her with a... A top on and then some sort of, it's almost like a chastity belt yeah, of some A very uncomfy undies, that's for it's, sure. Yeah, it's a metal undie, a very small metal <laughs> undie in the shape of a love heart, if I recall, that just sort of, and then has a flat plate where, where all your bits go and doesn't look good at all. We're going to get to more Beyonce in just a moment and her country album, I said mm. it quickly then. Um, but I wanted to talk a little I've bit. I've always wondered though why they... <laughs> You know, and I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast years ago, but I'll do it again because it's funny. Okay. Um, alternative country. Why do they call it alt country and not the other? Well, I call it the other. I call it the other too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's like, oh, that's an alt country act. And I'm like, well, you've shortened the first nat word. What's, what's your problem with the second one? <laughs> Come on. So Alicia Keys played at the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you watch the halftime show? I did. I did. I watched it this morning. I sort of put it off. I, I was watching the highlights and I thought, oh, I don't need to watch this. I'm, I'm fine. Okay. But then, and then I looked it up and it said 13 minutes. So I watched the whole thing this morning. And it was okay. great. That's it was interesting. Really good. So you watched the YouTube version that yes. went down. But what actually happened in the moment live on television to hundreds of millions of people was this. Some people. Which you can understand. She's playing yes. to a massive stadium. She's about to open up and, and sing and, you know, probably really nervous. Sometimes you hear a bung note. That's all fine. Mm. But then when moments later, a little while later, they turned it around and put it out on YouTube, which, like, you know, you, you're pretty much the same as everyone else. You're not watching it live. You're catching no. it up later. This is what it sounded like when YouTube put out the final version. Some people uh. 
That little crack had gone yeah. as she busted open If I Ain't Got You behind that big piano. And it stirred up a really big reaction, Miff, didn't it, online? It's, it's really interesting. I think it speaks to how we remember events and I, th- I think so many of us rely on what's been captured on film and, and, and the sound that has been captured for our memory and yet here we are uh, touching up something that didn't sound great at the time and therefore it, it makes you question, you know, what's what's real and, and what's not. I know that artists often do touch it up when they've, they've released like a live... Um, a live video of their performances. Quite often, they'll be they'll be fixed in post. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, and that's fine if you you love the artist. But if it's a, I do feel if it is a document of an of an event that involves a whole bunch of people, that is an historic moment that will be looked back on. I feel like that needs to be as is. Yeah, and the, also because otherwise our memory becomes unreal and not in a good way. Like well, it, it it it's incorrect. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. Like when so so Safina Fuamali, who's a great music journalist who does a lot of work at the ABC, I was in the office the other day and that happened, and she was like, "Oh, this is blowing up." And I kind of my first reaction was, "Oh, well, that's fine because if she wanted to fix it, then I understand that. Like, it's going to be that YouTube's going to be viewed millions of times." And then I thought about it some more and went, hang on, this is a larger conversation. And also, Mm. was this even Alicia Keys' choice? Like the speed in which they turned that around, knowing, you know, my experiences of working with the Triple J live music team at live festivals and stuff and how, you know, quickly you can get approval from a person and their team to broadcast something or rebroadcast something. It doesn't happen, you know, like that. Mm. So did they even consult her? And then I saw this great thread from a journalist called T. Beckett Adams, which is sitting at about 75,000 shares and likes on on Twitter at the moment. I thought you were going to say words and I'm like, I'm not going to read that. (laughs) And I will begin now. (laughs) And I'll be reading it out at Bang On Life next weekend. But... Yeah, he was. He brought up, an, you know, that argument of truth and shared memory mm. and was talking about, you know, something that we talk about a lot these days, which is this post-truth world. And we need to talk more about what record co- keeping should look like in the internet era because things like this audio swap with no explanation and no heads up given is kind of making him crazy. He was talking about, you know, all the little stealth edits that happen as mm. we – experience history and then we see another version of it a moment later and it's changed and then we start questioning our own memory our own shared memory of hang on did that actually happen and a performance at a Super Bowl halftime show of a bung note is one thing but it speaks to a larger you know factual record of so Mm. many things that are actually consequential you know the official record and what that even means anymore as we, you know, as a society, just don't trust anyone. There's very yeah. few organisations that we trust and it's getting worse and worse. So I just thought that that thread, which I'll put in the show notes, was so fascinating talking about, you know, the normalising of of conflict between records and collective experiences. My first reaction of going, oh, it doesn't really matter, and then thinking, hang on, it does, mm. it kind of does, or at least it's worth it's worth a discussion, it's worth more of a conversation than just accepting that, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think historically too, you know, I, I want to see 
if I look back at other previous Super Bowls, I want to see it as it was. Yeah. Because, you know, you're missing a, a piece of information then if you're trying to do research or uh, having to reappraise something. In all cases, I think if it's a, a public event that, that isn't driven by the artist necessarily, then I feel like it should be as is. It should be clearly exactly what happened. The mistakes are often what makes something the most memorable totally. too, right, and the most interesting. I, oh, I, I thought, did you know one of the girls fell off stage on her roller skates? Oh, my God, yes. And sadly, yes, Sosa and I were talking about that and someone had slowed it down so they could, oh like, my God. which is brutal, absolutely and brutal. I, I saw her online. She put a video up and she goes, look, I'm really sorry, but as an actor, you know, your agent tells you to say that you're really, really good at everything, so you just tick all the boxes. And what happened is, and then, you know, if you actually get the gig, you do intense work to like for the two weeks lead up to work work out how to do it but the problem is someone got COVID she wasn't originally booked someone got COVID and so she she got the gig a day before so oh she God. tried she tried for a day to learn how to roller skate no. but, but then she couldn't she realized as soon as she'd started and she just went off the stage what a stage to do oh, that on the poor and she's thing. like I'm really sorry but this is what you have to do in this business if you get work you just have to lie everybody does it and you learn but she didn't have time <laughs> Related, how long has Usher been honing his roller skating skills? Oh that God. was amazing. When he went through Will I Am's legs in the middle of it, oh. it's just like as someone who, you know, when I was 11 years old, did the bus stop on roller skates mm. in the middle of the jam factory in Paran in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. I understand how hard it is to balance on roller skates and dance at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> it's wild. Usher, secret roller skating jam. I just know. so well, he wild. Did go, he was probably, it, roller skating was sort of, uh, maybe he was a rollerblader. I feel like he might have been more of a rollerblader and he's transferred those skills. The costuming as well, the fashion oh for that halftime show was incredible. Also too, um, taking the top off I thought was a bit, I don't know, I loved it. I loved the show but I'm like, Janet Jackson got in trouble for this. How come you can just do it mm. without any issues? Issues. I saw your nipples. <laughs> Shock horror. <laughs> Shock horror. Like, it just, I don't know, such a double standard in that sense. Yes. Didn't we just experience the 20th anniversary of that event as well? I think that was just mm-hmm. a few weeks ago or quite recently. Um, yeah. Or it would have been, yeah, because the Super Bowl is on. Uh, and, yes, we're still dealing with those double standards. Anyway, I thought that was a really interesting Twitter thread. I'll chuck it in the show notes and yep. just something interesting to consider. You know, that wasn't the main event, though, of the Super Bowl, nor was Taylor Swift, nor was the game itself. This ain't Texas. Beyonce stole the show, stole the attention with her amazing Super Bowl ad for Verizon where she was trying to break the internet and then at the end was like, new music, drop. When's that going to drop? Is this going to break the internet? And then moments later, she drops the news that, yeah, Act 2, her country record, which a lot of people have been sort of thinking is coming, will be coming at the end of March. And she dropped two songs from it, including this one, Texas Hold'em. Are you excited for this country Beyonce era? Oh, yeehaw. I mean, it's not like she hasn't <laughs> done it before. No. She did give it a go. Daddy Lessons from um, uh, Lemonade Yeah, was quite a country song, but it was snubbed at the Grammys that particular year for in the country song category, even though it was quite a success. And so it was submitted as that, but they rejected it, yeah. Yeah, yes. Um, but now she is now number one and number two 
on the American Country Music Chart and she's the first black female artist to reach the top of the Apple Music US Country Chart in history and she's the first female black artist to occupy the first and second position on the chart simultaneously. So good on her, good on her. And she's been holding on to this for a while, I think. I think her mum, Tina, said something online like, I've, uh, this record, you know, I've heard this record, it's been around for a while or something like that. And I'm like, oh, mum... Stop saying that it's something she's pulled from the cupboard because she's been, like, I just feel like they're messing it up for her. I feel like this might have been recorded a few years ago. I literally just went onto Tina's Instagram because, well, I opened up, of course, we love Tina. We talk about her Mm. uh, a lot. She will often talk about things that Beyonce and her highly, you know, controlled socials plan will leave out. And I just opened up my feed and Tina's posted, like, what looks like an excerpt from the Texas Hold'em official video clip. And I'm like, I just thought, oh, this is Beyonce. And they're like, no, it's Tina. So I went onto Beyonce's Instagram. She hasn't posted it yet. So it's just like Tina just sharing it. Mom, don't share it yet. Oh, here we go. Miss Tina Knowles. It's a post with Beyonce in a cowboy hat and, and glasses wearing all black. You'll see it. She said, I have loved this record for years. Now so happy that you guys get to hear. It's amazing. It's on title right now. It's like, Mum, she probably didn't want people to know that it was <laughs> a bit of a backup plan. But but it's also very, very much on the money with what's happening musically right now. Beyonce never does anything in halves. And if Beyonce has decided that country music is, is where it's at, and I think we saw last week with the return of Tracy Chapman singing along with Luke Combs, who is a country artist, um, the, the rise of country music is 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 happening. And if, if, if Beyonce is on board, she's always at the forefront. You can pretty much say it's a thing and it's a big thing. Yeah. You sent me a good piece from the AV club and there was one line that really stood out and said, as an artist, Beyonce is more interesting when she is the wind rather than just allowing herself mm. to be blown by it. This is, I didn't realise this, I totally missed this bit of information, but in 2022 when she put out Renaissance, she said at the time that this was the first in a trilogy of records. So, yeah, she's she could have the other record done as well. Ready to but go. She's got Renaissance and then she's got Act Two and then she'll have a third. And Renaissance was a celebration of dance music, but also very much a celebration and a history of black queer culture. I reckon she's going to do the same with country. And this is a whole other conversation because there is this strange idea that is completely not rooted in fact that country music is a white domain. There are gatekeepers Mm. around country. The fact that Beyonce wasn't allowed to submit Daddy Lessons into Mm. the Grammys in 2016 speaks to that. The fact that Lil Nas X had to get Billy Ray Cyrus on Old Town Road in order for it to be considered a country record, which it clearly was without Billy Ray, but it wasn't until he was on it that he was able to get in the country charts. All of this speaks to a racism and a gatekeeping Mm. within country music circles. And Beyonce, I reckon, is about to blow that apart. She's about to remind people of the roots of country, of how black people and people of colour have always been there and have never gone away but are about to be celebrated. And I can't wait to see the visuals, the collaborators and the history that she, with her huge platform, will be able to share when Act 2 is released. Can you imagine? Think about what she's done with her last few records. She changes the culture. She educates. She entertains. She does it all in the same circle of what she's doing and that impact Mm. is going to be huge. Yeah. I don't know how she does it. I'm so tired. But you know, <laughs> I genuinely don't know. It's like, oh, I mean, I know she's got a lot of help, 
but still it's it's a it's a hard it's a hard gig to be you know ahead of the curve all the time yeah it's really difficult she is the wind she is the she wind she is the wind that's that she's like the wind <laughs> through my trees she rides a night. It's a little bit country next you know to what? me. Act three, Beyonce's soft rock era. Oh, fuck, I would love that. <laughs> I know you would. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the fashion, the hair, all of it? Oh, all of it. All of it. And just permission to sing. <laughs> Be great. Very excited for Beyonce's country era. It was also, I think, fascinating to see Beyonce suck the oxygen away from the Super Bowl, even from Usher and from Taylor Swift, who was there supporting her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, obviously, Mm. when she used that massive platform to announce the record because then everyone was just talking about Beyonce. And it was so similar to what happened a couple of weeks ago at the Grammys when Taylor Swift got up on stage and for her first award used that speech to largely announce her new record. Mm. Something at the time when looking at the room, we didn't really speak about it when it happened a couple of weeks ago, but I was watching the broadcast and just looking around the room and seeing everyone's faces just go, oh, now everyone's just going to be talking about and tweeting about and sharing this news Mm. and all of our wins are now secondary to that. And I it's great marketing for Taylor, but I don't think she needs it. Well, it's kind of – I'm feeling a bit of Taylor fatigue in the ranks. Everyone at work, she's obviously going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. She's kicking off her biggest show ever, like 100,000 people at the MCG. I'm going along. I'm excited to see the spectacle. But yeah. everyone that I speak to, Taylor fans included, are feeling a little bit teddy tired about Taylor Swift and every single news angle and shareable story and clickbait about Tay-Tay. Mm. Well, she leaves nuggets in everything and this is this is the, the really interesting thing in how she's played the game over the years with her fans and it's wonderful in a way because they feel included. They feel like there's an investigation for for them to crack and so she'll, she'll tease them with these little ideas that, that feed into the frenzy of maybe this is going to happen, this might happen, this will, this will happen and... I don't know. I think I think that's that's actually really clever, and and I, I'm I'm really impressed by how she's she's done her publicity over the years. But I think sometimes there's a time to wind it back, mm. and 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 I'm, I certainly don't want to be someone who tells somebody to you know calm down and and not boast about their about their achievements. But yeah, I think. Surely she'd be across this at this stage, I think, with the whole Super Bowl stuff. She's just everywhere. <laughs> and that's a lot for anyone, fan or not. Yeah, it's. I've, I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm in the same boat as you. I don't want to tell anyone, much less a female artist who is so successful, one of the most successful of our time, to just pipe down. I think that, you know, there's there's problems around that. But also there's the complicity of the media and that clickbait culture mm. in that it all sort of feeds each other. So there is, she, you know, she markets herself well. She knows how to um, to play the fans and to get the Swifty army behind her. But also the media will, I can't tell you how many conversations I have with various parts of the ABC where it's like, can we talk about some other artists? Where is the space? Where is the oxygen for oh, other yeah, artists? That's interesting. You know, like the, 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 not every little part of minutiae of Taylor Swift's life and vague stories that really don't matter anything should be the lead story yeah. of, of every news break, of every that, music news break. You know why it is, though? And I'm not, okay, this is taking it to another level. Somebody mentioned the other day, and I can't remember where I heard it, but essentially, 
artists like Taylor Swift and Beyonce are now the monoculture. The monoculture used to be television shows that we all watched mm. at the same time and, and now that's dispersed. You can watch anything you want, anytime, anywhere. And so almost as if the artists themselves have become the monoculture that even, you know, your grandma knows about. Um, and it's something that, that connects everybody because everyone knows something about it. Cross-generational, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where the fatigue sets in um, definitely because once I think, you know, I mean once your nan's asking you about Taylor Swift uh, and, and, and what certain things mean, you know it's it's really, really crossed over. But, yeah, I do think it's – I'm trying to think of what else would be monoculture other than – Taylor Swift and Beyonce at this point in time. There's yeah, well, not much. It's true. Sport. Like, sport. sport. Yeah, Matildas, which, you know, we were happy to have that dominate, weren't we? But that was mm. a short period. It hasn't been, as I may have said on News Breakfast this week, talked about for the last five years. It's just one other thing rolling over. It's like, where is the oxygen for another artist? Mm. I think it's fascinating that you raise that because, like, we are so fragmented in the way that we experience things. We don't have those Seinfeld moments or other moments yeah. of just like everyone's talking about this. But Taylor, to a large, largest degree, and Beyonce have managed to harness that energy and can do it and can control that narrative. Mm. Um, and that's fascinating. And the fact, and, but we're saying we've had enough. Like, yeah, no. I just, I, I constantly think about my own reactions to this, where they come from, what they mean. I know the Taylor fatigue is real. But I think it's okay. I think it's okay to have enough of something. I mean, we had enough of Melrose Place at one point. <laughs> Didn't we? Oh, well, you know what it is, though? Everyone loves everything until they don't. No one yeah. is loved, particularly if they are being globally covered in the way that Taylor is. You can't sustain that. At a certain point, everyone will turn. And is mm. she getting close to that point? Whether or not it's by her own design, I think it's like, again, that complicity of media and also of people who have skin in the game and stakeholders that benefit from this as well. But at a certain point, everyone falls off the edge. You can't continually to be loved at that volume and that mm. ferocity before people start turning. And maybe yeah. this is a turning point. Uh, can I say on a side note, though, did you see when her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, was singing Viva Las Vegas when, <laughs> when they won the Super Bowl? There's a little video online, if you can find it. It, it. it popped up quite a bit on mine. I'm not sure why. Maybe my, my algorithm says you'll laugh at this because you're a bit of a bitch. Um, her face when he was singing was like... <sighs> It was like that moment when you're with someone and you think they're fabulous and then all of a sudden the cracks start to appear. She got she the like, ick. Oh, don't, don't sing. She did. She literally got the ick in front of gazillions of people. And I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> See? Celebs, they're just like us. You can put on a show all you like, but you'll still get the ick. <laughs> Miff, did you hear that this week, or at least it's coming soon, we will legally have the right to disconnect? What does that mean um, in terms of, uh, well, I, I'm pretty much, I work for myself as a contractor in most most instances. And look, if, if I'm not around to answer the phone, I won't answer the phone, if, unless it's an emergency. But I think if you've got a job at a, 
I don't know, any, any kind of job really where you have daily interactions. But if you're only part-time or, or contract, quite often you feel like you'd have to answer the phone if they ring, otherwise your job might be in jeopardy. Or get back to and the email, respond in some way. Respond on the weekend. No, you don't have to anymore. Yes! I kind of love this because I think that it's just become a normal part of culture and I've been doing that a bit this week. Like usually I take my computer home, but this week I was like, no, I've finished my working day. I'm leaving my computer at work. I'm going to try really hard to not check my email on my phone and when I come back in and start my day, that's when I start my working day and that's when mm. I open up my email again. But it is really become quite normalised that people are responding to emails at 10pm, at 6am, whatever, yeah. and that keeps you switched on. And I think it's happened, gotten even worse since a lot of people switched to a hybrid model of working from home as well. There is There's no guilt, line. Isn't there? Yeah. I'm not in the office, so I should answer this or I should respond. But I, I think it's, I think it's really good. People are learning boundaries when it comes to work, and I, and that's really never been part of our approach to working, really. Yeah. It's always been you've got to, you've got to kind of work hard and do your best and, and fit Hustle in. Hustle culture. And, yeah. So I think it's actually really good that they've, they've passed the laws that um, say that workers will be able to ignore out-of-work hours communication from their boss without fearing for their job. This is a great step. I think it's a great step too. Australian unions say that potentially 79% of Australian workers do 280 hours of free work every year. And I feel that. I feel mm. that. So all up for disconnecting. We talk about it a lot on Bang On, switching off CBF energy. But I love that this has been enshrined in law because I think that that work-life balance is something that is very keenly in the mind, body and soul of every Bang Fan member. Yeah. Um, speaking of disconnecting quite literally from the germs around you. You're reporting from the front lines of anti-back fashion this week, Mitch. Fashion <laughs> has gone... Well, I'm surprised it hasn't actually gone this way in the last couple of years, given COVID, but Naomi Campbell was at the forefront front of antibacterial dressing long ago when we saw the footage of her getting onto an aeroplane in a business class suite where she essentially was wearing a hazmat suit and wiped down all surfaces. And I think we all went, OK, yes. That makes sense. In this current climate, that makes sense. But apparently she's been doing it regardless. Way before COVID, this was her thing. She's a bit of a germaphobe, she says. And um, Boss, Hugo Boss, have decided to capitalise on that and gone, hey, let's get Naomi Campbell in to design a line, a fashion line, and let her do what she wants. And guess what she came back with? A special capsule collection launching to cater for the contemporary sophisticated traveller, which I love. So she's really playing into, really leaning into that that footage that was captured of her on the plane. So she's made lots of outfits apparently, no pictures of them as yet, but um, all the things that would make you look stylish and sophisticated when you're flying and you land and you have to present and, you know, there's, there's lots of things about it being non-creasing. Mm, and You don't want um, any cat's whiskers. No, nah, you don't want that around the, the very, you know, important areas where the cat's whiskers turn you up. You don't want that around your old country, do you, Miff? That's right. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Yeah, so but she's also made the fabric antibacterial as well. How does that even work? Like, how Who do knows? you make fabric antibacterial? She puts a bit of, they spray it with Febreze on the way out, I think. It's made or from those Glen, Dettol wipes. Or a bit of Glen 20. <laughs> they just give it a Glen 20 spray on the way out the door. Yeah, and when you wash it, is that like, oh, well, one, one use, that's done. <laughs> it's, it's totally environmentally screwed, but it is yeah. anti-back. Oh, look, I feel like your jumpsuit might actually be at the forefront of antibacterial. <laughs> Given it doesn't breathe, I, I assume it does actually fab- look like the colour of a Chuck's super wipe as well. Oh, it does not. It's beautiful, <laughs> but that material doesn't. You know that that sort of stuff you could just sort of wipe stuff off. So yeah. I s- suspect that's antibacterial, or it's just got Glen Twenty in it. What do you like? I'm not a germaphobe, so I don't have skin in the game here, and I totally understand and respect that some people really can't handle germs. I know mm. germaphobes, but I saw a video this week as well of someone. Um, you know how you like you beat a a rug to get the dust out of it. Someone had got a hammer and they were beating a, a public transport seat. Oh to yeah, show. I saw that. That was disgusting. <laughs> but I sort of go first of all, you're never going to beat a, a public transport seat, and you stand, you know, I'm sure shoeless, naked of foot on your own home rug all the time. Mm. Ignorance is bliss in this situation. I feel like, yes, there's germs everywhere. There's dirt everywhere. We are made of germs. Also, it helps us, our immunity. Just don't think about it. Just don't mm. think about it. Otherwise, mm. you're going to go down a spiral that you will you never s- come out of. I'm with Naomi, though. When you're sitting on a plane and, you know, it's time to put the tray table down because your meal's coming and there's clearly been a small child who's put their fingers in food and just wiped it <laughs> All over and they the don't place clean them anymore. And it's not cleaned. I get weird. I'm like, <laughs> where are my wipes? Don't they have, I don't know if Qantas is still doing it, but for, they definitely still give out face masks if you want them. But I think they also have like a little anti-back wipe so you can basically mm. do your own cleaning, which says I'm a lot, doesn't that. it, about this? It like, we know it's not going to be clean. So here, DIY, get there on to go. this $300 airfare for a one-hour flight and you can yeah. DIY your own cleaning. There you go. Beautiful. <laughs> I really liked as well that as part of this article, I didn't realise, but um, in June, the V&A Museum, which is an amazing museum in London, design museum, does a lot of fashion stuff, they are going to be launching an exhibition called Naomi, which is dedicated to her and it's the first time a model will be the focus of an exhibition at the v Isn't that oh, amazing? Oh, isn't that wonderful? Congratulations, Naomi. So any Bang Fam in, in London, head along and see the um, the Naomi exhibition and, and give us a report back. Maybe our, our best Bang mate, uh, Susie, will be able to let us know oh, about what yes. it looks like and, and all the amazing things. I'm sure like, I, love, I love all that fashion stuff. I love fashion documentaries, fashion mm. exhibitions. I love the fashion. <laughs> love the fashion. Oh, yeah. And if you come along to Bang On Live too, feel free to wear whatever fashion you've been desperate to wear. Yes, please. And too scared. We want. We just want to see it. Let's let's celebrate us. I feel like from some of the messages I've been getting that a lot of people are really coming for what I think is going to be a big part of it: the reunion with other community with Bank Fam. Yeah. So it is the safest space of all to come and be your best self, your brightest self. Wear whatever you want. Wear some fashion. Get ready to make lots of friends. It's going to be incredible. Mm, so incredible. It will be. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Me too. A few more sleeps, and then we're going to be there, Adelaide. What are you banging on about this week? I watched a beautiful documentary that I've been people have been talking about and I've been meaning to watch for a while and um, I'm so glad I did. It was another one of those joyful moments on the plane as I was travelling. Mind you, I speaking of planes, I bit into one of those little pies. You know, they give you those little pies sometimes if you're on a particular uh, carrier. Um, I said Qantas before. It's okay. <laughs> oh, you can say it, can't you? Well, I was on Qantas and they gave out little pies. It was the afternoon. 
and I burnt my chest with the interior of the oh. pie. I've got a, like, it's literally, it blistered yesterday and then oh I just had a God. shower today and I accidentally took the skin off. So I needed something to distract from my burn. Like, it's a third degree burn on my chest. Oh, my God. I know, from pies. Look out, pies are coming for you. Um Pies on your oh, pies. That's right. That's right. Um, I watched The Greatest Night in Pop, which is the documentary about the making of We Are the World. Oh, yeah, I've is, seen this course, on Netflix, right? Yeah, and it is just a pure, pure joy. I adored it. It's a moment that you think you've seen because you've seen all the celebs in the clip, but uh, it gives a bit of history and background into the event. And it was uh, back in 1984. It was Harry Belafonte who was, um, I guess he he liked the idea of the song Do They Know It's Christmas, which was helmed by Bob Geldof. Mm. Um, But he was also a little bit perturbed by it because he said that uh, we have white folks saving black folks and we don't have black folks saving black folks. Mm. And he wanted to have a voice in that. And that's the impetus behind the single. And he got Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson um, and Stevie Wonder was supposed to be there, but I think he got his dates mixed up, so he didn't turn up till the end, but that's okay. Still, He still contributed a hell of a lot. But it was essentially Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson who wrote the song and you get an insight into that, but then you get an insight into the day. And what I didn't know was that Lionel Richie had just hosted the American Music Awards. So that's, for an artist who's at the top of his game, that is peak, you know. That's like he, he won loads of awards at the awards. He performed three times and he hosted the thing. And then after that, they thought, how are we going to get this done? All the artists come together after the awards. They're already in town. Let's make it happen. And they worked all through the night. And watching it as they learn this song from scratch is amazing. Mm. I mean, it's not a documentary that's going to do it, you know, say anything radical necessarily because it's um, it's just more of an exposition of what happened. But it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch them all, you know. There's a sign on the door, leave your egos at the door. So, and they're all nervous as hell. Mm. Like Huey Lewis is nervous because he's got to sing, you know, a really big bit after Diana Ross or something. He's like, how am I going to do this? And it's really beautiful. It's it's lovely. You hear that Cindy Lauper almost didn't do it because she didn't. her boyfriend said the song wasn't going to be a hit. You see Bob Dylan looking confused. <laughs> Because he was really scared, you know, because he was surrounded by really kick-ass singers and that's not Bob's vibe, you know. He's he's this, uh, an interpretive thing and that's why we love Bob. But it, it, watching everybody interact, it was it was absolutely joyful and I think Diana Ross didn't want to leave. She had such a good time. There wasn't much mention of it, how they all stayed in, up until 8.30 in the morning the night after the American <laughs> Music Awards and no one got tired. But anyway. It's really good coffee. Yeah, it was great coffee. <laughs> There was only, I think it was Al Jarreau who was apparently a little bit tipsy. But um, there was one guy that I thought, what, what is he doing there? Um, Dan, Dan Aykroyd, the actor? <laughs> like, he's just up the back. I think it's him. And it's like... He's very much the f- of the time though, right? He what was are you huge doing back there? <laughs> he was, but he can't sing. Like, he's, not, he's not a singer, is he? I, do I need to go Dan Aykroyd singer? <laughs> Can he Maybe he had sing? a career. <laughs> just no. vibe. Was it Dan Aykroyd? I don't know. It was some one of those <laughs> 80s Ghostbusters guys anyway. Yeah, it's Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's some weird stuff. There's some great stuff. It's a joy. It's an absolute joy. But it gives you a, a, a beautiful little insight into a really quite significant moment in time where I think um, 
creative people, musicians in particular, felt like they could actually have uh, create something that could help. You yeah. know? And I think at the moment, and since then there's been so many charity singles and, and all sorts of things, all sorts of artists trying to make a difference, but it seems more and more impossible again as that whole thing gets flooded and people don't really know what to do in certain situations and, you know, they get criticised for taking sides. This was sort of back in the innocent days of actually just doing something because it was good mm. and it was for good or at least they thought it was whether or not the money went necessarily to the right places that's you know debatable but they genuinely thought they were doing good and it was quite beautiful the best intentions yeah greatest night in pop is that what it's called yep okay brilliant like give it a watch awesome. you'll feel you'll feel great now it's a good reminder because i saw some previews for it and then like everything in this content soaked world I totally forgot mm. about it so thank you for that reminder I will definitely yeah. be watching that um what are you banging on about I'm banging on about a little podcast that some people may have never heard of a lot of people I think are going to be like oh you finally discovered it and I say mm. that because it has one million monthly listeners <laughs> what I don't know what is it blind boy podcast don't know it a character called Blind Boy, his real name is David Chambers he is Irish he has a beautiful Irish lilt and it's kind of hard to describe what it is. I'll tell you how I discovered it. My friend Joe Lauder, who some people would know, brilliant hack journo, mm. she's pretty much, as I've said to her myself, she's my number one influencer in terms of great podcasts to listen to and books to read because she just, everything that she tells me is great, I love. So we've got very closely aligned taste in terms of what we love consuming in listening to and reading words. And she said to me, you got to check out Blind Boy. And it's a guy doing, having chats, uh, reading poetry sometimes, telling stories. And I tell you what, if anybody else other than Joe had recommended it, particularly if they weren't female, yeah. I would have probably gone, not another mm. dude with the podcast. But I took her recommendation and ran with it. And I'm so glad I did because he is a fascinating character where he discusses the most wildly eclectic topics. He tells stories in the most incredible way and he has this curiosity inside him about stuff that you just take for granted. For example, here's some of the titles of his recent podcasts. The Colonial History of Fish Fingers, in which he will explain it. An essay about the inside of a tennis ball. I love him already. Pigs, saints, haircuts and bicycles in Tuller Town, where he goes to buy a bike off like Gumtree or whatever, Facebook Marketplace, from a guy in the next Irish town over, which is about 20 minutes, half an hour away. And he gets he get, arrives early, wanders past the graveyard, discovers this headstone that has makes complete completely no sense because of what's on it goes down a rabbit hole of why this gravestone exists and what the story is behind it. And I won't give it away, but basically the reason that he's in Tuller Town um, completely changes direction. <laughs> and I think that from reading up about him, because I was just like, this is amazing. He's been running it for six years. They are scripted, these these podcasts. And you sort of, as you're listening, you're like, this is an incredible piece of performance because mm. it's almost like stand-up where he's got these callbacks, there's a structure to them, but it also he's such a brilliant performer that it feels like you're just at the foot of an incredible storyteller. And it's really interesting and beautiful. Like he talks about mental health a lot. I think coming from a man, for a lot of people to listen to that, is yeah. really refreshing. And he's really funny. Like it's really funny podcast as well as being really down-to-earth, very balancing 
a lot of people are going to be like, yes, San, we know, we know all about Blind Boy. It's one well, of the I most popular know. podcasts. Yeah, but I didn't know either. So if anybody else has like heard other people recommend it or this is new to you, I yeah. highly recommend. I really love the Psychology of Greek Mythology episode. Um, you can dive in at any point. It's really hard to explain what it is because every episode is different. But I just say, just go with it, sit in it, okay. and I reckon you'll love it too. Blind oh, Boy that's Podcast. Awesome, that is brilliant. Oh, um, can I just say too? I I've just found my notes on my phone that I wrote while I was watching the doco. Oh yeah, might have had a wine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I failed to mention this because it gave me so much joy, and I'm not sure why I've written. Lindsay Buckingham's hair doesn't even fit the frame. <laughs> It's so high. <laughs> Just look out for that. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to watch that on the plane to Adelaide next week. Do it. Uh, speaking of which, I'll see you next week in the podcast. Oh, my God. I can't wait. And on stage as well. Oh, Yay! my God. So much bang for your buck. Yeah. See you then, babes. See ya. Bye. bye. on.